Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour. It is Roadmap Roundup Friday, and aren't we so excited about that? We always are. Always are. Gabe Jones and Dan Vonderhaar are with me. But before we get to all of the fun, let's get to the important thing, and that is prayer. And today we're going to pray our morning offering, and then uh, based on some of the topics we're talking about today, we're going to pray the Litany of Humility as well. It's a good, good litany for us to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, gentlemen, good morning to you. It's uh, good to have you here. I know, Gabe, last night you, you texted me long after I had gone to sleep. <laughs> you know, you texted me at 948, and I had been out for an hour and a half at that point. Just uh, keeping so you honest. Would the snow impact the show today? And the answer is no. We're here, here. we are. Here, here we are. We, and there really isn't that much snow. Yeah. It's, I got up and... Like what, what, there was a lot of a uh, lot of hot air for nothing. That's well, weird, maybe the hot air impacted that's an ironic, the. Uh, the that's the an snow. ironic statement. Yeah. I don't know. We had snow here in South City, and and Dan, I don't know about you, but it was like the perfect amount of snow on the hood of the car that I knew it'd be fun just to you know the, our street was pretty empty this morning just to kind of go down the street, not over the speed limit, but have that snow start flying up, and I, I always enjoy that when it's possible, but not on the interstates or the main roads because I don't want to cause an accident. It's the little things. It's yeah. the little things. Well, and this was that light, fluffy snow, not like the last couple times where it's freezing rain and drizzle and ice and yeah. It's pleasant. This was like nice. Yeah. Yeah. This is not the one where you get out of your car and you're afraid to walk across the parking lot. Right. The, the, yeah. This one's pretty. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, it's funny in the uh, litany of humility here, we were praying, um, from the desire of being loved and that others may be loved more than I. And 
Uh, Beth and I were joking about this recently that, you know, Adam, your behavior should not make it easier to not love you and to love others more than you. Like, if, if, if you're acting this way because from the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. Yeah, you shouldn't that's deliberately. That's the wrong way to go about right. it. <laughs> Don't deliberately try not to be loved. Yeah, no, we, we were talking about um, some things as I was getting ready for a talk on disciplines and, and things in life and just some of the, the lessons we've learned over 13 years of marriage, that there's a difference between wanting others to be loved more than I and uh, working to make yourself less lovable. And <laughs> somewhere in there lies all the difference, right? Yeah, yeah and you learn that after 13 years of marriage. Oh, yeah. You yeah. do. Well, we've got a lot to get to on the Roadmap Roundup this morning. Uh, first, let's go to Mike Roberts, though, for today's forecast. Today is the feast day of St. Eulogius, who was a martyr. Born in Cordoba, Spain in the early 9th century, the Muslims were firmly in control and for the most part left the Christians to their own. However, when Ahmed el-Rahman came to power, that changed and an extreme persecution of Christians ensued. Eulogius was a descendant of the Roman senatorial class. He was well-educated and his brother Joseph had an office in the palace. His sister had become a nun and he became a priest and teacher, eventually being named to head the ecclesiastical school of Cordoba. Known for his leadership and eloquence, Eulogius was also famous for his kindness and traveled extensively teaching the word of the Lord in an occupied land. In 850, there was an especially intense Christian persecution and in Cordoba, the bishop and all the priests, including Eulogius, were arrested. Undeterred, he read the Bible to his fellow prisoners. He was eventually released, but in 857, a young woman named Leocretia, who was the daughter of a noble family of Moors, converted to Christianity and sought protection from her angry parents. Eulogius and other Christians took her in, but they were all arrested and condemned. Eulogius was executed on this day in 857, along with those who had helped the young virgin, and Leocretia was murdered four days later. St. Eulogius, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You are listening to the Roadmap Roundup on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Now, sad to say that uh, we were supposed to have three guests in the studio this morning, but as I tell people, I am a Roman Catholic husband and father and everything else is secondary and living that out today is Chris Horan who was supposed to be with us but uh, dad duty trumped today and that's good that's a good thing listeners to uh, tend to your first vocation first so Chris good morning to you good morning Adam thank you for having me again oh no it's cool uh, it, it's always always a joy to have you with us uh, Chris our, our first topic today is one that uh, you know, I think as men, we all can dive into. And I want to read this quote from St. Louis de Montfort in the True Devotion to Mary. I want to say it's around paragraph 226. He says, because the outward practices well perform aid the inward ones, and because they make a man remember by reminding his senses what he has done or ought to do. You know, he's talking about why why should we do these things out loud? Why should we tend to, the, tend to these postures and, and other devotions? Why can't we just love God in our hearts and, and that be enough? And I, I love this. He says, they aid a man by reminding him in his senses what he has done or what he has ought to do. And posture is important. Um, 
I used to, my mother used to chide me for my posture at the piano, but posture is important. So I am curious, Chris, what are some of the postures you discipline yourself to use in prayer? Not necessarily at the piano bench, but in prayer to help remind you of who you are, what you've done, and what you ought to do. Yes, this is a really good uh, question, Adam, because this is, these seemingly little things will truly help change, impact and change Catholic culture, and maybe even the secular culture in, in influencing them in a, in a Catholic way. And just a few things, you know, again, seeming, seemingly simple, but kneeling by your bed before you go to sleep to pray, to pray your prayers, right? Those are by yourself, but um, if you encourage other people to do the same, um, standing for and kneeling during the Angelus, again, wherever you are at six, noon, and six, and maybe not in the middle of a store or something if it's noon or whatever or six, but you know, keep stopping for a second and, and meditating on the angels, even if, it, if it's for a few moments. Um, I have, Gabe and I have talked about this often kneeling at mass without the kneeler uh, directly on the concrete floor. It's a little bit of penance, but also um, sort of an outward practice that's you know, forget the kneeler for a minute because it's nice and cushioned. Um, also, think you know, like bowing bowing your head at the holy name or the Trinity, whether it's during mass or the office. And really reminding yourself of that extra, uh, again, small outward practice to keep in mind the the importance and the significance of our Lord um, when when that is is sung or said. Um, I, I think another thing too is um, the, at the Lord I am not worthy before communion or the Domine non sum dignus. You hit your chest, you know, and, and a little bit more than a than a soft little touch, but it reminds you that. It's another little physical penance, but an outward practice that will prepare you for uh, communion in a way that is reminding you that you, you aren't, we are not worthy to receive the Lord, even if we are, and we feel like we are in a state of grace. So th- those are a few. I have a few others, but I think yeah. those are those are a few. No, that's that's a great reminder for us that you know when we we've been talking about sanctifying grace a lot this week that you know grace is a free gift from God and and sanctifying grace is not something that we can merit with our actions. It's not something that we can will with our intellect. It's it's truly a gift from God. Now we can cut ourselves off from it uh, through mortal sin. Um, but when that relationship is restored, who, who's the one who restores it? So. That idea of worthiness to receive Holy Communion, that, that any worthiness we have to receive our Lord is because of his grace, that he makes us worthy. It's not that, that Adam Wright, Gabe Jones, Chris Horan, or Dan Vonderhaar uh, makes ourselves worthy. It's that we get out of God's way so that he can He can make us worthy. Uh, now, Gabe, I know you serve Mass, and, and this is something I think of when we're in the church building, especially um, when we cross in front of the tabernacle— um, we we make a, a sign of reverence, we genuflect, and it's one of those things that how many times have we been tempted to write off and say, well, I, I, this is the 38th time I've crossed setting up for Mass, and, and, you know, so surely the Lord wouldn't mind if I didn't genuflect this one time. Yeah, no, it's very true that you, you sort of just, it becomes commonplace sometimes. Maybe you're in the church cleaning or something or preparing for some event or something like that in the in the sanctuary or in the nave and and yeah you're crossing back and forth and you're like oh yeah, Jesus knows I'm here he, he, he knows I'm here so um, it is the constant the discipline of, of, of reminding yourself to do that over and over and over again that is going to help build um, you know your own spirituality that that reminder that Christ is present in the church in the tabernacle um, but it's also um, it's not just that, but it's also during Mass, you know, 
doing the things throughout Mass that you're supposed to do, the sitting, the standing, the kneeling at the right times. Uh, Chris mentioned kneeling on the floor, you know. Um, and I know, you know, so obviously like for, for some people, maybe it's harder to genuflect when they cross the center, for example, in church. But um, if it's not completely impossible for you, that's a little penance, right? It's a little opportunity to, to remember that, you know, Christ died on the cross. And yeah, my knees might creak a little bit, but, you know, yeah, I can do a little genuflection when I cross the center, enter my pew. And so it's all those things where sometimes we could give ourselves an easy out and we say, well, I, I can't do that. But, you know, go the extra mile. Yeah, these, yeah, I think what we're talking about for me is habits, right? Habits drive our behavior. You know, one of, one of my favorite quotes is, is uh, Aristotle who said, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. So if we want to be excellent at prayer, then we need to create habits that help us be excellent at prayer. So I love Chris's suggestion about kneeling before bedtime prayers. You know, we did that you know, with our kids when they were little, but maybe we didn't continue that practice for ourselves as an adult. And it's just a great way. That habit puts our mind and body and spirit in a particular place in that moment, and we can commune with the creator of the universe quicker. Yeah. Yeah, and I will say too, Chris kind of alluded to this. I think um, when you have your kids with you and you're saying prayers, the kids really engage more. I, I feel when you have different postures, when you're standing and kneeling and sitting. You know, we'll we'll say Compline or night prayer as a family pretty frequently, and that involves all three. We'll stand sometimes, we sit sometimes, we kneel sometimes, and the the kids, you know, at different parts of the prayer, you're supposed to do all those postures, and the kids really engage with that. They, they know, mm-hmm. okay, we're standing, we're sitting, we're kneeling. Uh, it just helps them. Yeah, it, it helps, helps them focus. Well, these all, all good things for us, so I think, listeners, for you and I, the challenge is to be attentive to our postures in prayer, and, you know, uh, we were talking about this in the office yesterday as I was writing the, the outline for this morning's roundup. I mean, even the, the, the habits of, as you drive by a church, maybe reverently make the sign of the cross, or if, if you're walking by a church, um, of course, now I, I want to say it was St. Eugene de Maznod that instructed all of the oblates when they would enter into a town, go to the church, and even if the doors of the church were locked, kneel for a moment outside of the church because you recognize who is inside of the church. And all of these things, you know, as Dan said, are, are great habits. They're virtuous habits mm-hmm. to build to help remind us of who we are in our relationship with the Lord. Chris Horan, we're sorry you couldn't be with us in studio today. We look forward to next time, but uh, you get 10,000 bonus points for still calling in and being part of the show. I don't know what the points are good for, but I dole them out like candy, which is probably not a good thing in Lent. So maybe only 5,000 bonus points today. Uh, Friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back with more Roadmap Roundup after this. We are back. I don't know what it says about us uh, three panelists here this morning that during the break we were talking about various places to go to confession (laughs) and like the absolute last moment that it is safe to arrive with a hope of getting in line and not having to wait in a long line, which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that there are places that if confessions are at 1130, you need to be in line by 1110. Otherwise, the line is going to be so long. You're going to be waiting for a while. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Let's have more lines like that, faithful. Uh, let, let's all get to confession at least once a month, and especially 
as soon as is reasonably possible if we commit a mortal sin. We are uh, talking about different instructions we received. We were talking about how posture can in, posture can instruct us before the break. And now I want to turn to prayer. Uh, Monsignor Morris, who is on Covenant Network quite a bit, in fact, he'll be on in about a week and a half for a radiothon with me. Uh, he once said in a talk, and, I, and I'll never forget this, this really, this was a, one of those great lines you, you write down and remember for a long time. Sometimes the catechesis is in the doing. You know, so I don't understand this prayer and what what's going on here and this and that. And, and he, he explained it and explained it. And then finally he said, sometimes the catechesis is in the doing. And it's, a, you know, today's litany is a great reminder for us of that, that not only is the prayer efficacious, we're asking for this humility, right? But but what does it mean to ask for humility? What, what, what does that mean? The text of the prayer itself is instructing us. As we pray it. And Monsignor and I actually did a whole segment on this litany of humility to talk about it. But, uh, Dan, I'm curious, how has prayer reminded you of your correct place in the relationship with God? Uh, We we talk about the litanies quite a bit, and they are amazing. And so if you're not, if, if praying a litany is not part of your current prayer cadence, I would really encourage you to go there because you start to really imagine all of these titles, um, you know, for our mother and for St. Joseph, and, and they take you into really good places in your imagination about your relationship with God. Um, so if that's not a part of your prayer cadence, I would absolutely encourage you to just grab any litany. Uh, and if you don't have a favorite one, just ask Adam. Uh, he's, he's got many. Um, but the other part, and Gabe, I'm curious, you know, um, you know, we pray our, our Father, we pray our Hail Mary, we pray the glory be, but I love picking out phrases of prayers, uh, prayers like the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, mm-hmm. right? And um, defend us in battle. And yeah. it just reminds me, we're in a battle, yeah. right? We're, we're in a battle. Or um, in the Memorare, right? You know, we, we go forward with confidence. Yeah. Why? Why am I going forward in confidence? Why is that word there? Yeah. Right? And so, um, you know, I like, you know, plucking out phrases, you know, to, you know, to imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise. Yes. What is that prayer, you know, which sometimes I feel like should be at the beginning of the rosary. Not yeah, at the end. right. Not at the end. I want to remind yeah. myself. I want to imitate what this contains and obtain what it promises. So what about you? Uh, boy, I mean, you hit on a lot of the ones that I like, you know, the phrases, the, the actions, the thoughts, you know, the litanies agreed are just fantastic, especially, you know, Litany of Our Lady, Litany of St. Joseph, which we've prayed on the air before here. Um, a lot of catechesis in those. Uh, I think too, though, to kind of combine the outward practices we just talked about, the postures, think about like the confidior, right? Through my fault, through my fault, and we, we pound our chest, right? That's a reminder, both an outward posture, but also the words, like, it's my fault, mm-hmm. right? And Who's how often- fault? My fault, exactly. right? And you and you you remind yourself of that, right? So th- that's a way where you, it's catechetical, right? I'm reminding myself all these things were done. It's my fault, and I'm also the posture, right? So uh, so that's one. You know, the litanies are great. Um, I think too, um, as we pray, and I'm, I'm reading a book on mental prayer right now uh, by Jacques Philippe. Uh, I think it's called Time for God is the, the name of it. Great book. Um, and he talks about. 
the persistence needed, right? You, when, you, when you try to do mental prayer, you can't just say, oh, well, you know what? It's just not working, not clicking. It's the persistence. And that in and of itself, I mean, we're in a life that's kind of a marathon, right? Life is just, we don't know God's time, right? So you just have to keep persisting in life no matter what comes. And uh, mental prayer is like that. And so I think that is catechesis, you know? So there's so many different things you can get into when you talk about prayer and the catechesis, but I think too many people want to make prayer just kind of, um, you know, time to make me feel good, right? It's just kind of quiet time where I'm just going to reflect on my day. True Catholic prayer is more than that. It's a supplication, right? It's, yeah. Uh, it's a worship of God. It's a, putting yourself before him, uh, realizing how unworthy you are to receive all the graces that he gives you and yet to be thankful for them. Now, as that kid who, especially during the Roman canon, would have the missalette out, you know, where are we and how long is this going to take? Yeah. There's a how lot much of words in this prayer, right? You know, that, that was the kind of kid I was. Um, one of the devotions I love is the perpetual help devotion, but it's also one of those things that I'm like, all right, you know, make time for it because it takes some time to pray. It really doesn't take that much time to pray. I'm, I'm over-exaggerating here, but you look at the card and you're like, oh, we got to pray all that. That's going to take time. One of the things I love about this prayer, the perpetual help devotion, now we have the, the old cards, um, here I don't I don't know what year these are from, but uh, it's beautiful. Here's how it begins: Behold at thy feet, O Mother of perpetual help, a wretched sinner who has recourse to thee and confides in thee. And I'm just like, bam, you know, right there, right there. That that the let's establish everything. I'm a wretched sinner, but hope is not lost. Why? Well, number one, I have recourse through the Mother of our Lord. I have hope. And and Mary, who is always going to help. The kids ask, what does perpetual mean? Always, unceasing, unwavering, always going to help me, a wretched sinner. There are so many uh, great instructions in this prayer. There's too many to go through right now. But that one, just at the beginning, a wretched sinner who has recourse to thee. You know, they got me thinking, and um, I was going to mention this and I forgot, but if you go read the text of especially the older prayers for the dead, you know, maybe masses for the dead or, or whatever, just, just older prayers for someone who's passed on. Um, it is not what we have come to think of death as being is just, Oh, well, like, you know, it's, it's a celebration and, you know, we're just going to assume this person's in heaven kind of thing, which sometimes creeps in, right? The older prayers for a funeral or, or prayers for the dead, you are, asking God's mercy on this person. You, we, we do not know if this person is, you know, in heaven or hell or purgatory. And, and we are deeply just asking for God's mercy for that person's soul, you know, and asking for their salvation. That's, uh, that in its, of itself is good catechesis, I think. This is one of the topics that makes me love being Catholic. I love the fact that um, I can go back to prayers that are hundreds and hundreds of years old, and they're so relevant to yeah. me right now. And I and I sometimes I wonder how did they know, you know, that this human condition was going to still exist here in 2022. And there's a richness to the Catholic faith that no matter kind of what your tendency is, kind of where your desires lead you, where your interests lead you, there's catechesis in all of this. And it's one of my favorite things about being Catholic. Yeah. Well, we'll close the segment with this line from the perpetual help devotion. But one thing I fear, that in the hour of temptation I may neglect to call on thee and thus perish miserably. 
Obtain for me then the pardon of my sins, love for Jesus, final perseverance, and the grace to always have recourse to thee, O mother of perpetual health. Making it clear that we're going to be tempted, we're going to struggle, but don't forget to turn to the Blessed Mother. Uh, we are going to take a break here on the Roadmap Roundup. Stay tuned. We'll be back not you know right after this. We do have a catechist question today. It is about habits, and a common habit for those who make a regular holy hour is to use a prayer method referred to as acts. Acts, like acts of the apostles, but acts of the uh, those making the holy hour. Do you know what acts stands for? Write this down because it, it will be useful for you. It stands for adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication, and really to break down your, your holy hour into those four things. Start with just adoring the Lord present in the most blessed sacrament, then contrition. Lord, I am sorry for thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for, and then supplication. Lord, I ask you for, and it's a good way to break down your holy hour. You know, you can make that a part of, it's a great basis for any prayer. So if you're, um, let's say you're uh, leading a group or you're um, called on to pray in public, right? Maybe it's a family dinner and you know somebody asks you to pray. Um, this acronym is also a great go-to, right? And just make it your own. Hey, God, you are awesome. We love you. We do stuff that upsets you and, and we're not happy about it. We know you're not happy about it, but but we are grateful for everything you've blessed us with. And we just ask you, you know, to be with us, you know, during this time. Right? That is an axe type of prayer. It's a great, great way to uh, pray in public, uh, pray privately, or as Adam yeah. mentioned, for an hour of adoration. Yeah. Gabe, you were talking about having a, that, that mental prayer is a, you know, it's a marathon. It's a it's a discipline we have to get into, and this is a great thing for those who keep a journal uh, to write down. When you know, go to your, whether it's at your holy hour or just some time of mental prayer at home. Um, spend some time adoring the Lord, being just allow yourself to be in awe of who He is and what He's done for you, and then maybe maybe not write down. I don't know. I, I've talked <laughs> to different people about this. What you're sorry for, but make a good examination of conscience, and then write down, Lord, here are all the things I'm thankful for that You've done in my life today or this week or this, you know, pick a defined period of time. And then here are all the things I ask you for. And then just take some time maybe to add a, a third thing, a third list to it. And here's where I, I think you're calling me. This is what I think you're saying to me. Um, it could be a great, great exercise for yeah. us with mental prayer, but it takes preparation. And that's our next question today. You know, it's one thing to say I'm going to take the time to pray, but we have to prepare even to pray. Like I've got my prayer chair here in our, our studio. We all have our own unofficial assigned seats for the rosary and the chaplet, <laughs> and and I, I turn my chair to face the way everyone else is facing, or we make that time. Like I know around 10 o'clock I need to wrap up what I'm doing because we're going to pray the rosary. How do you prepare yourself when you need to take time to pray? Uh, well, Preparation sometimes with a family of, you know, five kids is a luxury, so, <laughs> so it doesn't always happen. But um, first, it's to, if, if, you, if you know you're going to go to adoration, or you know you're going to go to mass, or maybe you know you're going to go to rosary or say family night prayers, for us, uh, you know, with like night prayers or the family rosary, uh, we light our candles, right? And the kids want to light the candles. And so that's a, that preparation. Okay, let's get the candles lit, right? And let's not have a fight over it. But we're going <laughs> to get the candles lit. Okay, that sets us in the mood, right? It gets the, 
the, the senses activated to know we're in prayer time. We turn the lights off, right? And sometimes I'll even, as a family, we get the candles lit, turn the lights off, and then I try to get everybody to just quiet down before we start our prayer. Um, I've also dug into, I think I mentioned on the air before, uh, I got the little office of Baltimore and have tr- been trying to pray the daily office, at least at least one office a day. doesn't always happen, but I, but I tried to get in that habit. And one thing that uh, I've discovered along with this is that there are some psalms that are traditionally used for uh, prayer before communion. So like maybe the night before or the morning of, you're going to Sunday Mass or something, you would say these, pray these psalms. And so I've tried to kind of get in that habit of praying the psalms that are designed or intended to be pr- preparation for communion. So that's that's another thing that I've yeah. picked up recently. Someone out there must have agreed with you because they honked. There was right. a yeah, drove by. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, great that. tip on the psalms, by the way. I you know uh, love going to the psalms for something like that. Yeah. Adam, I, I I do something um, not every time, but I um, I picked it up from a retreat I went to years back. I call it the chair prayer. So before I sit down to pray, or um, maybe you're prepping, you know, for a Bible study or whatever it is, um, I put my hands on the back of the chair, and I look at the seat of the chair, and I say, I am about to commune with the creator of the universe when I sit in that spot. And I just want to prepare myself as I go to sit in this chair that I am spending time with the being that created this entire universe. And so it starts to write my mind. It's kind of just another little habit um, to prepare myself to prepare myself to pray. Yeah. You know, the, the first parish I was music director at, the uh, pastor who was there right before, he, you know, he was transferred out right before I was hired. He had a label maker, and he went crazy. It was the best sacristy to work in because you knew where everything was, every drawer, every every closet door. They were all labeled. But on top of the ambo, um, right above, you know, the edge of where the the lectionary would sit was a label, and in uh, you know bright yellow with black letters, it said, "Sir, we would like to see Jesus." It's a quote from the gospel when the apostles are like, "What do you want?" And it's, "Sir, we would like to see Jesus." And it was always a reminder for me, and, and I told the lectors this, that it's about us getting out of the way. You know, they didn't come to see us. They didn't come to hear us. Oh, Adam's a great reader. Adam's a great singer. You know, no, they came to see Jesus. Um, and I love doing little preparatory things like that just to remind me, leaving notes around the house or notes on the mirror or, or things like that um, to say, this is what it's all about. You know, like that artwork we hang in our houses. Dan, you, you were talking about how you were listening to Patty Schneier's Daily Dose of Encouragement and how she decorates her house for Lent. You know, things like that. You know, I don't necessarily pray with what's on my walls, but how my house is decorated helps get me ready to pray. Yeah, and so I have a, a, a note that I taped to the front of my Bible, and it's just in big red letters, and it says, read me. Exclamation point! And and it, it's like also, the one the rocks turn me over. Gonna... <laughs> and it's a great conversation starter too, by the way. Like when your Bible is sitting out there and it's got this big sign on it that says "Read, Read me!" Yeah. Exclamation point. So I, I agree with you, Adam. That that stuff works for me. That's good stuff. Yeah. Oh, indeed. I lo- I love it all. There's a lot. I, I'll leave you this tip, and then we're going to go to another break here. But I like to bring things to read maybe before mass because sometimes we're we're in that we know we've got to get there early. Um, especially if it's, you know, think Christmas or Easter when you know you have to get there early if you want to get a, a pew. Um, 
Well, you don't want to have conversation the whole time to pass the time, so bring good spiritual reading with you. My uh, my great uncle, he used to get ready for Mass like this. He would, he would show up for 4 o'clock Mass at 323 exactly because he knew if he did that, he could read all of the readings for the day, so he'd, he'd have a jump start and wouldn't be hearing them for the first time during Mass, which helped him process. Then he would pray all of the prayers on the back of the missalette. Then he would pray all the prayers on the inside back cover of the missalette. And then he would uh, pray. He had, he had a set number of prayers he would pray. And if he did all of that, at 3.55, he would finish. And at that point, you know, he's ready for Mass to start. And he knew. He knew that's what he would do. And so I've kind of taken after that, like, if I know I'm going to be there early, I need to bring something with me. And I pack it in the car the night before. So even in the morning chaos, I'm like, oh, I meant to bring that. But I didn't. Oh, no. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we've got one last topic for you on the Roadmap Roundup. So stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Dan Vonderhaar, you said something during the break. You know, don't be intimidated by people who have memorized a lot of prayers. Instead, be inspired by it. I want to let you in on a little something. I have a terrible memory. Uh, for names and prayers. And so as much as I say pray the rosary every day, I always have with me my little rosary pamphlet because, you know, especially if I have to leave the rosary in public, I know I'm going to choke at some point and forget something. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It, it's if you need the tool, have the tool. It's better to have the tool in the toolbox yeah. than to say, oh, well, what do we do now? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, even even the best of us, I, I think it was Tim Lucchese who was on our panel one time and Forgot the words of the Our Father here live on, on Covenant Network. That's remember all right. that? That was yeah. It was last year sometime, I think. It happens. So. It and, happens. and you know what? And I remember Tim saying, and that's okay because it's gonna happen to all of us and, and, and it's a yep. reminder to us to move on. I mean there there was a time we were praying the rosary, we finished the uh, Hail Holy Queen, and I said, Let us pray. And that was about it because I couldn't. <laughs> I, I blanked on the yeah, prayer of God, yeah. who's only begotten Son by His life, yeah. death, and resurrection. Revolve, revolve. Doesn't, I, uh, doesn't mean you're a bad Catholic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was playing the Divine Mercy Chaplet with Tony, and I just blanked, right? You know, and uh, so I think it happens to everybody. But I think the it's a common feeling that when we meet somebody with just just great spirituality, and we're trying to grow in our faith, and there's. I want to call it maybe a bit of spiritual envy. You're like, man, I really want what they have. And sometimes it's a bit intimidating. Like, wow, this person knows all of these prayers and they, all, they know all the extra prayers at the end of the rosary and the extra, extra prayers. And instead of being intimidated by it, be inspired by it and just pick a prayer, pick the memorari, pick the, pick the prayer to uh, St. Michael the Archangel, P- just pick a prayer and memorize that one prayer. Yeah, I've got a I've got a friend uh, that I, I'm aspiring to be more like this friend that in in circles of of good holy Catholic people, uh, the the kind of people that you say you want to pray, they'd be like, oh yeah, let's stop what we're doing and pray. Uh, I, I call it the Angelus ambush or the ambush Angelus because <laughs> th- this friend will walk up to you if it's six noon or six, and you know if you're in the room is. You want to pray the Angelus and then makes the sign of the cross and starts the Angelus. Does not wait for you to answer yes or no. <laughs> because, I mean, obviously, the people we're with, they're going to they're gonna say, oh, yeah, let's pray the Angelus. But it doesn't wait for an answer. Just just prays. And I'm like, I want to be that kind of guy that, like, I'm in uh, surrounded with people that I know. You want to pray the Angelus? There's no question about it. We're going to pray the Angelus here. We're going to stop. Uh, we have, I'll tell you what. We have one last question here, but we're going to make this lightning round because we need to get back for another check of the weather and the daily dose of encouragement. So it, really quick, Gabe Jones, what's something you've read or heard this Lent so far that has impacted you? Uh, can I cheat a little bit? Yes. I finished a book a little before Lent 
you're going to laugh at me. Pride and Prejudice. Your and wife told you to read that. that was my wife told me to read it. I, <laughs> yes. She, she, yep, she, she challenged me to read it. I read it, and it was, I finished it a little before Lent. And um, it's kind of stuck with me because uh, it challenges you. It makes you think of, as a man, as a, as a husband, uh, how can I be more deserving of my wife's love? All right, that's that. That is a good, good yeah. reflection for Lent. Yeah, Dan Vonderhaar reading some works on evangelism. Uh, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. Oh, I like that. I like that indeed. Uh, for me, it's been this book, and I, I'm actually a day or two behind. I need to catch up today, and I planned out a big chunk of time today. Speaking of preparing, I've planned out a big chunk of my morning to catch up on my my reading on this: "The Tears of Christ: Meditations for Lent." St. John Henry Newman compiled by our friends at the Augustine Institute. And this has been wonderful to have these daily reflections. It takes me back, Dan, to when you and I were doing the Marian consecration. Um, and it, it's just really great anchoring prayer in this season of Lent. With that, we're going to pause here to get a check, uh, one last check of the weather for you and a little bit of encouragement from Patty Schneier. And then we'll wrap up the roundup. Don't go anywhere. Here we are on Friday. It is time for our daily dose of encouragement, wrapping up a week talking about confession. Patty Schneier is with us. Patty, what do you have for us to wrap up this wonderful, beautiful topic? Well, I love confession so much, and there's so many things. I'm, I feel like, oh, it's Friday. What else? There's so much I want to say about confession, but I'm going to end with two things for the week. The first is, I love this quote. It is from John Paul. That This applies for all of us. I am not the sum of my past mistakes, I am the sum of the Father's love for me. It's in the sacrament of reconciliation where we experience God's unconditional mercy and love. And no matter what our sins may be, no matter if you're thinking you've done the worst of the worst of the worst, you're not the sum of your past mistakes. That does not need to define you. We are the sum of our Father's love for us. So I just want to encourage anybody to go and, and feel that mercy, feel that love, that unconditional love, that new start. You know, we all get to press the reset button in the sacrament of reconciliation. God just says, start over. Okay, today's a new day, a new beginning. He makes all things new. And I really experienced that for myself in this sacrament, and I hope that our listeners do as well. The second thing, uh, this final final image I think I want to leave with everybody is one that I heard and read about from John Pridmore. I got to interview him a long, long time ago here on Catholic Radio. He wrote a book called From Gangland to Promised Land, and he told the story of when he was a little boy. He was playing in his mother's rose garden. She always said not to play in the rose garden, but a soccer ball went over the fence, went in the rose garden. He went, of course, got the soccer ball out, and he got a thorn stuck in his thumb. And, of course, he did not want to show his mom, so he ignored it. And, of course, three days later, that thumb on that little eight-year-old boy was red. It was swollen. It was pounding. It was throbbing. It hurt. It was infected. And he couldn't hold the spoon right. He couldn't tie his shoe. Of course, his mother noticed. And she said, John, what's wrong with your thumb? And he was scared to death to show his mother. But he finally just held out his thumb. And you want to know what his mom said to him? She said, here, let me take that out for you. That's what our Heavenly Father wants to do for us. Whenever we sin, whenever we've blown it, we've got a thorn stuck in our thumb. And why would I want to walk around for three, four, five days 
with my thumb throbbing, with it getting infected. It's going to just get worse. It's going to start hurting. It's going to all these things, right? When my heavenly father just wants me to show it to him. And then he says, here, let me take that out for you. So this makes me run to confession. Every time I know that I've blown it, I'm thinking, I've got a thorn in my thumb. I've got a thorn in my thumb. And I know what I need to do. So maybe that's you today. Maybe this image will help you. Just think about a little boy with a thorn stuck in his thumb and God just wanting to say, let me take that out for you. And that's who we are. We're all like little children. We make mistakes. We blow it. And we have this heavenly father that just wants to take the thorn out of our thumb. That's my final image for confession. Patty, that story you just told takes me back to the saint we started with, John Paul II, who would say, be not afraid. So as we wrap up this week on confession, I want to thank you for these reflections. And friends listening, if this has moved you to go, but you're still holding back with a little bit of fear, well, to echo St. John Paul II, who was echoing the words of our Lord, be not afraid. Patty, thank you. Gentlemen, we've learned a lot today. Dan Vonderhaar, uh, you in particular, like, wow, I'm writing down things. I'm taking yeah. this home. Um, let, let's wrap it up here. If, if you had to take one lesson out of today's roundup with you, what is it? Uh, the Gabe Jones suggestion of kneeling without the kneeler. All right. Gabe Jones, one thing you take away from today. Uh, I like the either as you drive by a church, sign of the cross, or if you're walking, stop and kneel. All right. I like that. Very good, gentlemen. Very good. For me, oh, wow. I think it's, I, I think I'm going to put a post-it note on all the Bibles in our house. No, <laughs> yeah. like this is read, read me, me. <laughs> you know. And then the kids are going to be like, "Dad, why does it say that?" I, I can see it now. Why does it say that, Dad? Uh, because why do you, you should think? read it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you know, I, it, it reminds me a few years ago. James got he he really wanted. I don't know where he he saw this for the first time, but it was called the Catholic Action Bible, and it's a children's Bible. Um, and it's you know I, I, really like a preteen thing, but it's illustrated in the style of a comic book, like an action-adventure comic book. And it's actually pretty neat. And now the girls are like, I want one too. And I'm like, all right, get the post-it notes out. Read me. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray pray for for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray pray for for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us on the fastest 60 minutes in all of Christendom today, the Roadmap Roundup. I'll be back with you on Monday. We're going to be talking with Sister Mary Carolyn Noons about the Stations of the Cross. Father Bill Peckman's going to join us by phone to talk about his new book on spiritual warfare. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to tell you, I know what next week's Daily Dose of Encouragement is, and you're not going to want to miss it. So join us for that. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Gabe Jones. I'm Dan Vonderhaar. Pray your rosary today.